welcome to the other side of midnight. We have an amazing guest tonight. To find the show, go to theothersideofmidnight.com. And tonight's show is called The Newly Discovered Hyperdimensional Astronomy of the Bosnian Pyramids. And Sam Osmanagic is going to be our guest. Richard continues to be in migraine land. I will be hosting the show tonight with my co-host, Timothy Saunders and Annette Driscoll. And I want to welcome Timothy to join me. Timothy, are you here? And Annette will join us in a little bit. Good morning. It's definitely morning here. It's early morning here in uh, southwest Turkey. It's beautiful weather. It's a very hot summer here these days. And also I should offer, I'd like to offer a e-bayramla to everybody who understands. There's a four-day national holiday. It's um, it's uh, a time where families come together and enjoy and relax. So um, it's a perfect day. Well, I'm so glad you could join us. As I mentioned, Richard really wanted to be here tonight, and he has been in migraine land for the last two days. And so his spirit is here, and this is such an important show. It had to go on, and we didn't want to postpone uh, Sam again, so we made sure that we would Jump in. <laughs> that's that's right. I mean, we were going to do this, what, two weeks ago? And unfortunately, right. there was a, a technical issue where we couldn't power go ahead and was do out. it. His power was out. I mean, that's like, right. What else do you want? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think Sam is, is coming on in, what, about an hour's time from now? And uh, he has some very important discoveries to report. Uh, I've just certainly been keeping tabs on him for the last... Uh, few months and uh, I'm delighted that he's able to come on board and uh, share them on the other side of midnight. Me too. He's amazing. I, I love the way that he conducts his work so different than the other researchers in Egypt. <laughs> and you'll hear Indeed. about that. Yes. I mean, Sam is one of a kind and he's certainly of the people for the people. He's doing everything he can to make the Bosnian Pyramid accessible to all. And I know also, Timothy, that you're going to be sharing with us some information about a newly discovered pyramid that you found in Turkey. So looking well, for that as well. You know, it, it's an observation. Maybe it's a newly found perception, but I certainly didn't discover the, the mountain or the... Uh, what I, I believe is a pyramid. But I think that, you know, there are far more pyramids around the world, around the planet, hidden in plain sight. And uh, I look forward to asking Sam about that shortly. Wonderful, wonderful. And I know that Aneta is going to be joining us in just a little bit as well to share some insights about where we are in this COVID situation that I believe will give you hope, give us hope, all of us hope. And news happening in the space age department as well, which you are going to share some more information on that, Timothy. Absolutely. There's a whole lot of links, as usual, just to keep you entertained about COVID, 5G, SpaceX, NASA, and more. So uh, we have a fully packed show, and I can't wait to, to kick it off. So who, where right. would you like to start? Dear friends, Richard is really suffering from a strong migraine that took him out yesterday and today. That's why we're here. <laughs> well, you know, Richard was so excited about the show, he made sure that I would send a link about SpaceX. Richard got out of bed. He couldn't miss sending in these two links. So the first link, the first news item is SpaceX just brought two NASA astronauts back to Earth in its Crew Dragon spaceship, kicking off the next era of human spaceflight. And comment by Richard is, The beginning of the second age of space, spearheaded as we featured on a recent show, Elon Musk's vision. So that's pretty exciting news. Did you follow it at all? Truthfully, no. I've been overwhelmed with other things. I always ask the truth. but uh, I know. No, well, I... I did follow it, I have to say. I, Good, I did so please to... jump in. 
Well, I've also included this as one of my links as well. So uh, perhaps we'll come to it a little bit later because uh, I wanted to show sort of more detail uh, about the actual mission itself and also the Mars mission as well, which is, is also pretty significant. The uh, Perseverance took off um, on Thursday, I think it was Thursday last week. So um, two very significant uh, uh, missions but um, what I wanted to say was that the thing that really uh, took my attention was that when, in, in both cases, when these, these two astronauts went up and when they came down, you know, it, it, you see all of the, the huff and puff and the, the rocket engines take off and there's the smoke and the steam and, and you know, the, this projectile gets up to an incredible speed. But it still took 19 hours to get up to the International Space Station and around 19 hours to come down. So... I find it incredible that these guys, uh, as, as amazingly well-trained and prepared as they were, at a certain point, they had literally sort of um, have what they call a sleep mode on the way up and the way down. So uh, just imagine that. You sort of all, all suited up, and then you say, okay, guys, we're going to put automatic, and uh, let's go and lie down. I think actually in, in the actual um, Dragon uh, cockpit, sort of below their, their driving positions or steering positions, navigation positions, whatever you want to call it, there are actually two areas, like two beds that you can actually sort of fold out or perhaps they're extended all the time. But in any case, you can lie down and get some sleep. How, how would you feel about that, Kintia? Would you like oh, to... Uh, that would be sweet. The sleep among the stars. <laughs> that would be great. But, you know, I think I would want to spend the first few hours watching me leave, you know, leave Earth. I mean, what a view. Amazing. As an artist, I just think that would be so memorable. I don't know if I could sleep. I'd be too excited. Well, absolutely. Uh, but I think, on the other hand, they have to pace themselves. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure how many days they were gone with the mission, but uh, they were up for qu quite a long time. And I, I think that unless you start pacing yourself in the same way as an aviation pilot uh, needs to work so many hours or concentrate so many hours before a break, these guys have to do the same, of course. So uh, as exciting as it may be, it's essential to keep you know, a balance. But uh, is Annette here as well? Is she? I am. Good yes, morning, Abul. Yet. This is Annette Driscoll joining us, and you sent me yes. a really amazing link number two, which is the medical impact of the lockdown. Yes, I, I really love that. Um, I. I would love for everyone to actually take a look at that. It's 17 minutes and 50 seconds, and it's well worth your time. Because it really breaks down exactly what has happened, what's happening. Um, and it's, a, the, it's an interview with a doctor who is also an attorney. Uh, she's an ER doctor and an attorney, and um, she's very succinct and, and very clear about what we actually have going on, what the numbers are. Are, are really looking like what we can do about it. It's actually a very, very hopeful and positive video about the situation we're currently in. So that's why I put it up for everyone, that, you know, to share it with everyone. There's basically different opposing, essentially two different sides of an opposing agenda. And I'm on one, which is the side that's being censored. And uh, and then there's the side that's being pushed down our throats. And, and I call that the feargasms. You know, it's like really feargasming <laughs> all over me, you know, and I, and I don't, I can't, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out what we can do um, about that right now, but I think as a, personally, we, we have to each take a stand around this. I know Timothy, I liked what he did, he, he took a screenshot of what they're putting up and, and is circulating that, and he's getting some um, feedback, and it's getting some play on that, and that's a good thing. I mean, there's different things we can try. But when you look at our media situation, including social media, uh, newspapers, everything, every, every source of media, every source of media that we have, at least in the United States, 96% is owned by six individuals. So when you ask why, well, there is an agenda going on, and it's a pretty locked-down agenda, because if you've only got six people controlling essentially everything that people are ingesting as far as what they think is news, you can see how easy that would be to manipulate. 
And um, yeah, it's very disturbing. And that's that's an awareness most people don't don't know. It's only six people controlling ninety six percent of the media. It's shocking. Yeah, so there's a really great example of that, the upper levels uh, controlling everything and having all of the, not only the money and the power, but the information. And so when, when it gets very de- uh, very dangerous, there's many people that have said, I'm, I'm not original in this thought, that we are actually in the middle of World War III. And the it's an information war. And uh, the quarry in this war is, is the human race. Um, and that's, you know... <laughs> It really comes down to, I know that sounds dramatic and graphic, but it's the truth, I believe, from the way I see it, from from looking at what I'm looking at, yes. Well, I I could certainly digress further from this point, and it's a bit uh, to keep on track for a little while. Maybe we can come back to this shortly. Uh, Gintia, I know you did a lot of work to protect and uh, make this interview, this press release with the frontline doctors. Uh, is that link? That's number three. Yes, in- number number three and number four. Number four is the one where the uh, the doctors are meeting in front of the Capitol at Washington D.C. And number three, I, Doctor Daniel Erickson is reporting uh, from the front line. He's an emergency doctor, and he has several clinics across California and is in interactive with hospitals. And he has been connecting with other doctors, ER doctors. And number three, he tells exactly what's happening in these hospitals and what's happening in the clinics. And what he describes is that disproportionately, they've set aside all their resources for COVID-19. And so what's happening is somebody who has a heart attack doesn't land up coming in to, the, to get treated because they're afraid they're going to get COVID-19. And you know, they land up coming in too late. It's just one after another that they're finding instead of the hospitals being overcrowded, they're almost empty to the point that some of them are about to close because they've focused all their energy on preparing for COVID-19 and it hasn't happened in the way that they were anticipating and they're actually laying off staff. They're not overrun with patients. They are overrun with empty beds well it's you know it's not so long ago that we were being told that these extra hospitals were required i can't remember the name of them but i mean you know hospital car parks were turned into sort of tented hospital wards and uh there was the hospital ship that we've talked about on the other side of the news that turned up in new york that was i don't know if it was refits or it was converted or finalized whatever it was in record time and i remember that uh the president was criticized for going to see its launch. And uh, he said, well, you know, I, I don't think it's really a big deal. I mean, I'm just going to go and sort of thank the people that worked hard to make the ship available for New York. I, I don't know the exact number of how many patients actually were finally put on board that ship in New York. But uh, I think it, it seems to, I seem to remember it's something like a hundred and something people as opposed to thousands of people, which it was uh, set out for. And all of these hospital wards that were put up in car parks, I think they've sort of disappeared as well. And going back to the media aspect, you know, how a small number of individuals, part of the minority, which I call them, hopefully give them a a feeling of minority. But um, the, you know, it's not just in the United States. It's all over the world. These things have been set up. And it's it's all over the world that uh, people are sort of uh, busting through the doors or taking videos through hospital doors. I mean, if you can get past the armed guards with machine guns, that is, then you actually see that the hospitals are not busy. Uh, and that coupled with the fact that you have, I think, is it Medicare? Is it the United States system offering something in the region of, I think it was four and a half, four thousand six hundred dollars $4,600 for being allocated that amount of money for somebody who has a, sort of a lung issue. If, back in the days when ventilators were really, really important. If a PCR test, which even the inventor, Nobel Prize winning inventor himself said, this is not the right test for to measure a virus accurately. If, for example, the hospital was able to make this patient show a positive reaction to the PCR test, 
then I think that would go up to something in the region of $13,000 allowance. And if for any reason the hospital were able to plug a, or insert, I should say, anesthetize and insert a ventilation system to a patient, then they would be given something in the region of $39,000. So, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of very hardworking and caring people in, in the, uh, the hospitals around the world, but, but equally the, the strategy or the management that is controlling them is, is unbelievably questionable. I mean, Annette, I don't know what you think about that, but I mean, I know you've been doing a lot of research in that area. Is there anything that you have from your side that can sort of validate that? Well, I, I think maybe the most obvious thing is, is like, so why do we have armed guards suddenly at hospitals? I mean, what are they trying to hide? And why are we having heavy censorship? And why is there so much opposition to what, you know, what the people that are front line is the clear and obvious truth. So I don't have any verification on the numbers for what the incentive, you know, they've been incentivized. I do know that there is a difference in different healthcare systems and the way uh, hospitals are paid is my understanding from people on the inside of that end of the business model, that the way in the U.S. at least that we have this, that when people come in through the ER, that there are incentives, but they've been giving massive incentives. And for a, um, a death, some of them are $54,000, by the way. I have heard that number more than a few times from different sources. So I don't know all of that in, in precise detail. But the real question, really, when I look at this whole thing is, so why are they so afraid of the truth coming out that this isn't the big boogie monster? And, you know, Honestly, if they, and I'm, I'm going to go way out here on the limb and say, look, if they develop the virus, which I believe there's strong evidence that it was an intentional development, but, you know, that's from what I've researched. But if they went out and developed this virus, boy, it must be a terribly disappointing virus because, I mean, really, think about it. Just, you know, you have to get a test to even know if you have it. It's so it's so deadly and so so virulent that you have to get a test to even know if you have it. Seriously, what what's going on here? And I mean, it's not about clearly. It's not about a virus. It's it's political. It's quite political. If it was, you know, if you go back to the simplest thing about a mask, it's it's not about um, safety. If it was about safety, a bandana. People wouldn't be wearing a bandana and having that count as a mask because it has a 2% efficiency rate at 0.3 microns. Well, 0.3 microns is about two and a half times larger or yeah, larger than the, the largest particle of virus, particulate matter. So clearly, even, you know, even the best masks that they have are not going to, are, are not going to stop a virus. So it's not about our safety. It's about compliance. It's about doing other things on the agenda. This is my opinion, and I'm going to stick with it for right now until I have evidence otherwise, and my evidence is, is, is piling up on this other side. I'd also like to add here that Dr. Daniel Erickson points out that because the hospitals are so empty... That they're talking about diverting Medi-Cal funds that are earmarked for the clinics that serve the poor to the hospitals to keep the hospitals from going out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for example, you're on the West Coast until fairly recently. I was on the East Coast. I was in uh, close to Miami um, for a number of months. And the some of the stories I was hearing there was also totally validates what you're saying. And people sort of going for uh, routine checkups for, you know, a heart condition or whatever it was. I'm not going to tell the, the name and the, the person's individual story for obvious reasons. But, you know, the, the reaction from this, this man I was talking with was an utter surprise. You know, he was actually quite apprehensive before this routine checkup. And he said, well, I went there and it was like a ghost town. There was, you know, almost tumbleweed running down the corridors because nobody was there. You know, he'd expected this sort of, you know, overcrowded, busy corridors, you know, danger of infection and so on. It was just empty like a ghost town. So... It is absolutely bizarre. The, the numbers and we see. they're laying off nurses too. I've heard that mm-hmm. all around. Laying off staff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And which brings us back to the censorship point, because, you know, on a number of people, a number of people who are now no more on YouTube, they, they still exist on their own servers and they, they still exist on their own alternative platforms, for example, like uh, BitChute or Library and so on. Dell Bigtree was knocked off, I think it was last week, only a few days ago. Um, he is one of the the people behind Vaxxed, the movie Vaxxed 1 and Vaxxed 2, I believe, as well, which is essential watching, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, he's always been somebody who I thought was, yes, independent, yes, gives an alternative view from the mainstream, but absolutely, you know, is both feet firmly on the ground, holding on to facts as opposed to, you know, going out on the twig of conspiracy, which... Uh, you know, some people are branded with, but again, he's he's been knocked off as well. But uh, so I I think it's also very important that these people, these spokespeople, these uh, whistleblowers is a bit of a, a strong term, but I think these people need support. I think that they've been kicked off YouTube. I think we should remember them and follow them to where we're going. Follow is a, is a big word, but let's just say find them, connect with them, like them to let them know that we are listening. And it's not just about, you know, uh, you know giving them a feeling of, of support, but it is also about exchanging the information, because in my opinion, there's very little good information coming out of mainstream media these days. So from my point of view, I would say that this week has been about um, further endurance, endurance between the authorities uh, and the the people, that's us. The endurance of, you know, how many more, how many more times can the authorities take a U-turn? How many more times can we be patient to, you know, believe another layer of, of uh, information, yet it contradicted the one from the week before or two weeks before or one month before, whatever it is. It's just becoming very, very complicated. I think it's very clear that what we're hearing from you know, the authorities, these people just alleged are supposedly looking after us and you know, hoping better things for us. Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. It, it's not about uh, the best way. It's just about uh, enduring this suffrage, which, in my opinion, which they're, they're putting our way. You know, one of the, the key aspects this week was the frontline doctors that made their press release in, in Washington, D.C. Yeah. I think we've all you know, uh, reacted very positively to that initially. But it, it's so amazing how, how, how people react to this. I, I've, yeah, it, it's interesting that how, how people different, uh, react differently. I mean, the anger, I mean, if we just look at the anger for a second, I mean, sure, I'm, I'm hugely frustrated. I'm hugely disappointed. The anger, uh, anger's a big word. I mean, it, it, does, it does come into play, I have to say. I mean, for example, I'm, I'm angered when... I'm told to do something which I don't believe in, which is like uh, wear a mask, for example. I, again, we don't want to go back at every single time, but that type of confrontation where somebody who believes they have authority is trying to give me bad advice, which actually is actually harmful, that, that makes me feel angry. Yes, it does. But I, I, I don't show the anger because I, I just think that most people, onlookers, would then therefore just imagine that I'm somebody who doesn't really understand what the hell's going on, has lost the plot, so it must be crazy, and I'd be just thrown in the same bucket or in and judged in the same way as these doctors who stood up in uh, in D.C. this week. I'm not trying to say I'm a doctor, by the way, but it's just that as soon as somebody stands up and tells their truth, then anything is used to throw mud at them, to sort of bring them down, to uh, bring up some sort of negative, what can I say? So slang. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, superficial. It says far more people, far more about the people who judge does about the people who actually stand up and tell the truth clearly. So, um, you know, they had over 10 million hits in like a day and all of the media, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, they all slammed it. And I downloaded the video and I have it on our homepage of the other side of midnight.com. And I also have it in some of the other pages. I have it on this page tonight too, as well. So I want to say that the fear that they're inducing, I posted it to some of my friends, and the reactions I got was like, 
you know, they, it was very unsettling to them. They didn't want to discuss the mask thing. And even, like I say, even my youngest son, who is a graduate from Cal, he's like, oh, that's not real. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I just like, I just can't believe how an educated person, an intelligent person, and there are many who just buy the narrative. They just buy the story as it is. And this fear that's going around, you know, with the mask, now they're putting them on the little children. I see them outside in the fresh air, in the sunlight with the mask. And I just, I just don't understand it. It's heartbreaking to me. It's absolutely heartbreaking to me. And I don't know what it's going to take for this new, this younger generation to, to really get it that we are facing fascism big time. I mean... They're incredulous. They don't believe it. No, it doesn't. I, th I think that the, the, the key issue is is just to to listen. For example, I mean, I listen to all sorts of uh, information every week. This week, I've actually been very busy with other things. But what I want to say is that just because one particular spokesman or one particular person, their political or sexual or, or whatever, you know, personal. Um, interest is it doesn't mean that i have to be a clone of them they may well impart very very good information and you know if somebody's a bit left i put my left filter on but i mean okay i'm going to listen to it because there's still good information if somebody else is talking slightly more right wing again i put my right wing filter on and i can still obtain the good information i think it's so important to see both sides of of every point and I think that people just don't do that anymore. They just block what they, they feel. And fear is basically what they don't know. So it, it's, it's, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that pe you know, the more people are, um, what can I say, selecting based on the cover of the book, then the less they're going to know about anything. But they will have the illusion of knowing everything. And that's the dangerous thing. We also have the other... I mean, the world is constantly dy dynamic. Uh, the other thing is is that I can remember several years ago, I, I used to really enjoy, you know, uh, navigating around uh, YouTube. And the, the reason was it was just an absolute world filled of, of uh, great information. I mean, obviously, you need to be selective about it. Yeah, of course. But the point is, but today... I have to say, my, my YouTube is absolutely no longer my first my first choice because it's almost because of the level of censorship. It's almost become, if it's going to be true, it's probably not going to be on YouTube anymore. <laughs> in yeah. my mind, that's the way I'm looking at it, and that's a very sad change. Uh, do you think that's a fair comment? If you go through our past shows, you're going to see so many videos that have been taken down. If this were really a democracy, then they would treat us as an adult, as adults that we can listen to both sides. But when right. it's the corporations who are editing and censoring that we don't even have a chance to hear the other side, what does that say? Who really is running these countries? It's the corporations. We don't have democracies anymore. We have corporate fascism. That's very sad. I mean, with this... this uh, frontline doctors, um, what should we say, press press release. Um, I know that I, I uploaded it three times. The third time I was successful, but it was banned twice. And I know that you worked hard to put it up, and I know you, success, you were successful as well. Okay, it, so we're at the bottom of the hour, and I want to let everyone know that they are listening to The Other Side of Midnight, and Richard would be with us. And uh, I'm sure he's here with spirit. And our guest later on in the show is going to be Dr. Sam Osmanagic. The show's title is The Newly Discovered Hyperdimensional Astronomy of the Bosnian Pyramids. So we will catch you after the break. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. 
It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. And the other side of the news can be heard here on this network, on this channel, on this website, on this URL, every Friday evening, two hours, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. I warn you, you'll miss it at your own peril. Welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight, Richard C. Hoagland's Other Side of Midnight. Richard would be with us, um, but he's in bed. So your co-hosts tonight are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. And later we will be joined by Dr. Sam Asmanagich. And Timothy, you had some interesting uh, things to share with us. About what's happening in Turkey, and also if you want to touch on your news items, it's your choice. Well, I'd like to not that we, we, before the break, we were just going through a number of news items, and I don't think we've quite finished them yet. I think one is certainly very worthy of of mention, um, and that is if you go to the other side of midnight.com, you click on the show banner for tonight's show, with title is Kintia. Okay, I'm going to read it myself. I was muted there. The title is The Newly Discovered Hyperdimensional Astronomy of the Bosnian Pyramids. Thank you very much. Excellent. And then we go down to uh, the news items and we go to point number five. And this is a very long and dry read, I have to say. But I think it is fascinating. It's something which I came by on the the Dollar Vigilante uh, about a week ago. And I've certainly read it through. It's pretty dry and it's a PDF document. Let me explain to set the scene a little bit. First of all, I saw it in, in a, uh, it mentioned in, in a video and I certainly took my attention. So I took a screenshot and then I found the link 
I went straight to the link, which was at the NIH, which is the National Institute of Health. So it's a pretty mainstream, official uh, website. And it was posted originally on the 16th of July. And the title, which is quite, uh, quite amazing, and I'm just going to click the link right now in front of me, is 5G technology and induction of coronavirus in skin cells. And I'm not going to go through it right now, but I'm just going to give you a very quick overview. But this, this is one of the first or even the first time I've seen an official document which actually makes a tentative connection between the COVID symptoms um, originating from a 5G millimeter wave. Now, if you cast your minds back to the beginning of when people started getting censored, so go, go back in the time of, you know, way before Max Egan, before David Icke, uh, go before a lot of other people have just disappeared off of YouTube, the reason, the initial reason for them being censored was they were mentioning the word 5G and coronavirus more or less in the same sentence, or they were inferring there was a connection. Now, it's very interesting that that hot potato um, has been almost like a, a hand grenade, which people have avoided. They've been calling things, uh, you know, uh, the crown virus instead of the coronavirus. They've been calling sort of, uh, you know, different language between the, word, the, letter, the number five and the letter G and so on to sort of differentiate between, to avoid the Google spiders or the, uh, you know, the analytical software from picking up on these things. Max Egan even found that he could um, put on some guitar music and uh, that would sort of fool the censorship robots. And, and even I saw another person was reversing the image. So left was right, right was left. And that would also um, fool the analytical robots for a while. But all of those people making a connection, whether it's a conspiracy or it's a fact, they all fell by the wayside. And this is the first time which when I actually clicked, found the link, I clicked on the link, I went to the National Institute of Health website. And within literally within an hour and an hour and a half of me watching the original podcast where I saw this, this screenshot, I took the screenshot from the NIH had already uh, removed this official document. Now, luckily, somebody found that as a PDF document. And I would really like to invite uh, anybody who is technically minded or has an analytical mind to read through this and to offer your opinion. You know, I'm in, I'm in, in search of the truth. I'm not looking to be right or wrong. I'd very much like to know if this official looking document is real, if the information makes sense. Um, and because in my opinion, I think it, it's a controversial uh, and interesting document to, to check out. So much so, uh, I sent it to Mark Steele. Mark Steele is, is one of our guests we've had on the other side of Midnight and also more recently the other side of the news. He is a, a British guy who has actually taken the local council to court in Gateshead. Gateshead was one of the experimental uh, 5G towns where they lit up the town or the city like a Christmas tree with all different types of antennas. People were reacting very negatively to it. I won't go into too many details right now. And he is a uh, well-trained and experienced person in this uh, environment of, of transmitters and millimeter wave technology. And one of his associates managed to get hold of one of these transmitters, opened it up, and inside there was a great surprise because the actual technology within this transmitter was, in his opinion, uh, weapons grade. In other words, the beam, although it was not actually at that time being transmitted at a weapons level, the wiring and the infrastructure was capable of much higher voltages and much more power, which obviously is, is a very questionable point to understand. And then after that, a number of the uh, a number of people were falling more and more sick around the Gateshead area, 
with all different types of conditions. And that's the point when people started monitoring what type of beam it was and, and how powerful it was. And these beams were measured uh, on a regular basis, completely and utterly off the scale beyond the legal government set limits. So that is, uh, I, I shared this document with him. Actually, I'd just like to, before we go on too far, I sent it to him and I asked him just to have an open view look at it. And he said, hi, Tim, I have already reviewed. And yes, this has merit, but it also has a few questions. We already know that the ionizing radiation causes all of the coronavirus pathology. The post-mortems show this without question. The issue that we have to consider is that the radiation from the 5G transmitter is not non-ionizing as stated. The photon value at the part of the spectrum is, however, if you polarize the waveform, you easily exceed the requisite of 13.5 EV to cause ionizing in all atoms. It's why the near field in a 4G antenna is dangerous. The issue with 5G is that the beam waves that are long distance are ionizing. See Glasgow Kilgrid. That's the illustration in my links below. And then he goes on to share a map of Glasgow, which shows a grid system. And the reason why I want to bring this up at this point, I know it's very controversial, and I need to find which link that is. Moving around a second, I just need to move around my computer to the other side of midnight.com. Here we go. I need to go into Tim's news items in the fast links column. What we can see there is under one Mark Steele slash 5G, and that's also his website there, saveusnow.org.uk. If you go down to the third image, what you can see is a geometric shape, and that's actually a map of Glasgow with a one, two, three, four, five, six hexagonal shape. And those red dots are the 5G transmitters. And then the orange and purple and, and green different uh, colors show the degree and levels of the ionizing beams. So that's, I think, an interesting segue before we go into some of the questions I'd like to ask Sam later, because in the Bosnian pyramids, there are indeed all sorts of beams, certainly not 5G, but uh, a beam of an entirely different nature. And I think a healing beam is what I've, I've gathered from previous discussions with Sam. Aneta, do you have, have anything to add about that? Or um, should we move on? Aneta? I was muted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious uh, to hear what Sam has to say about the healing beams. As far as the ionization, uh, yeah, I... I I have read that what that that paper said it was a bit over my head I understood parts of it and it's pretty scary stuff so for sure it's, it's a combination of the shortness of the waves and the the oscillation so that the pulsing what what we think of as pulsing that's oscillation on and off so um they're very dangerous <laughs> bottom line is none of that stuff's good I mean I I was in um research and development in and I worked in the radio frequency very low level radio frequency and high voltage and I can tell you unbeknownst to me I I really did some damage terrible damage to my health and I have paid for that and this is and that's like child's play compared to what we're looking at with 5G so this is terribly um, this is very serious and I and one you know, kind of questions about this whole thing with the back to the virus idea. Like, why do, why are they, you know, promoting this, this fear so much? What's really, really going on? Because it's clearly not about this virus. And there is a connection with 5G. And then it's like, which pieces are the correct pieces, you know? Is it about um, the virus, you know, we're all on lockdown so they can cover up what they're doing with that. Is it to blame the virus for the effects that they know are coming with 5G? Why are they promoting 5G so much? And I don't have answers to these. I'm just putting out the questions because these are things I think about and I don't have clear, concise answers. I have theories and I have ideas, but I don't have real concrete answers on some of that. I just would like to say that I think that the 
the virus is one side of a triangle. I think the 5G is another side. And I think the vaccine is the third side of the triangle. And I think very soon we'll know more about all this and be able to form much more clear views of what the whole strategy is. But um, let's let's put it on a break there for the moment. And uh, let's move on to something completely different. One of the things that I, I had a lot of pleasure in, in finding in the last week was uh, an artist called, an illustrator called Tony Bella. And he is, in my opinion, a, a wonderful illustrator. And he's been creating a lot of artwork you can see in my, my Tim's, Timothy's News. It's num item number two, 2.1, 2.2, .2, 4, and so on. And first of all, but basically in, in the first image, 2.1, it's outlining the different stages of the Perseverance uh, mission. So that, that took off on Thursday, I believe, and that is now safely on the way to Mars. That's a new rover that's going to go to Mars and seek out and is capable of deciding if there is any form of life on Mars, which is which is quite an incredible step that, you know, while we're distracted by all other things, this is a very significant step. So I won't go into too many details because it's very self-explanatory, but I would like to praise the the skill and, and, and the uh, creative ability of this, this illustrator, Tony Bella. So have a look at his website, TonyBella.com. Um, and then moving down below, you'll see a reference to number three, 3.1. And again, that's Tony Bella. He did the same illustrative story of the, the Dragon mission, the Demo 2 mission by SpaceX and NASA, which just returned uh, very recently. The two astronauts returned after some time away in the International Space Station. So, you know, ordinarily, I think those are, you know, the, the foundations of two whole shows in themselves. But I just, let's mention them in, in passing. And uh, I hope when Richard's migraine passes, I hope that we can do a show and talk about this in a lot more detail, because I'm sure he'd be very excited to, to talk about these details. So I'm now going to go to my main link page, which it's on the other side of midnight.com. Go to the show banner and then the fast links to items. And then across on the right hand side, there's Timothy. I'm just clicking on that one now. The first image is basically a, a snapshot of Italy on the left. It's the Middle East on the right. You can see Cyprus in the Mediterranean sort of center, lower center and so on. And I've marked on there a few white arrows. It, it's not that it's a complete, concise list of archaeological places or, or pyramid places and so on, locations. But it's just a few I've selected. And, for example, the top white, left white arrow is, in fact, the pyramid in Bosnia, uh, which we're going to hear all about very soon when Sam comes online. So what I did was I took uh, just a few screenshots from Google Earth again, and the second one is the Bosnian Pyramid. I believe that's the Temple of the Sun. So according to the findings that Sam has come up with, there is indeed a, a very special beam coming out the top of this, this pyramid, and I guess the satellite, which is right overhead, may have actually flown through it. So uh, I'd like to ask Sam much more about that shortly. And then, does it help if I say the name of the links? So because your third one is the Troy. That's, it can help if uh, it helps people zoom in a little bit. This next one is a, the ancient city of Troy, which I was very fortunate to visit recently. If we jump down to number five. So number five is Mount Nemrud. Okay, so not Mount Nemrud, and that's sometimes spelt with a D, sometimes with a T. It's the same place. And that's something which I'd like to just focus on a little bit. Well, as I'm looking at this aerial view of Mount Nemrud, it, I don't know how anyone could think it was just a mountain by itself because the land all around it looks very flat. I mean, like, what, it just popped up? I mean, it doesn't, you know, mountains usually come in clusters, and this one is all by itself, so I don't know how they could not see it as what it is. So... Mount Nemrud is a something which, to me, 
uh, just absolutely caught my eye. And there's, there's no mistaking that it has had some uh, assistance in its, its sculpture. Um, <clears throat> if we go back to something in the region of 1882, when it was actually first, I say first discovered, but let's just say first discovered in the current history timeline. Um, it was discovered by a, a, uh, a railroad engineer who was, I have no idea why he was up in the mountains, but I guess they were looking for a way to communicate from one side or of the landmass to another. Where this is situated, uh, Namrud is right in the southeast of Turkey. So it's actually very close to the Euphrates River. So it's right you know, next to the sort of cradle of civilization area. Um, the railroad engineer, uh, Carl Cessna, uh, reported that he had climbed this mountain. And you imagine how hot and arid it is up there. It, it's, it's pretty hot this summer in Bodrum, and that's by the seaside. But you imagine climbing up a mountain over there. And uh, it's, it's around 2,000 meters, which is about... 7,000-something feet above sea level. And what was very, very interesting was that he reported seeing these huge, what he thought were Assyrian statues. And these statues, just to give you an idea, they're about five or six on both sides. And on the number five Mount Nemrud, you can actually see there's like a, a sort of a, a complex built on both sides. That's actually the east and the west what he thought were Assyrian statues are actually around 36 feet high. The heads themselves of these, these faces are six feet high. When he arrived at the summit of this mountain, what he thought was the summit, what was amazing was he noted that there was a plain at the top of the mountain. And uh, then a further mount, which is another 40 meters. So that's what, 131 feet or something. So it, what it looks like is there was a mountain and somebody decided to sculpt off the top um, to make a plateau, uh, leaving a not perfect pyramid, but something which is certainly pyramid shaped. And uh, either side build these huge um, sort of array of statues. And those statues on further examination actually had Greek letters on them. What I can do is suggest you jump down to N1 or N2 in, in, uh, in my radio with pictures, my links, and you can actually get an idea of this, this pyramid-looking form above the mountain around the plateau. And these, these huge statues uh, with faces, and uh, I believe if you go down to N3, you can really start to see something which I think is not looking terribly natural. N4, you can see again. N5, you can actually get closer up and see some of the, the sort of the architecture, the sculpture, the style, and so on. And just as while I'm here, N6 is a little drone shot. So that's quite a nice thing that you want to do maybe when you have some spare time, but just click the play on there. And a drone basically takes off somewhere near the summit, flies away, and gives you a real perspective of the shape. So what was very interesting is that the the inscriptions were very legible. You, you can actually still read them, but there were many sort of uh, battle damage words or letters missing and so on. So the Carl Cessna went there and uh, he was able to record the inscriptions and obviously translate it because the letters were in a, a language which was you know, understood, which is Greek. And that's an interesting question, that Greek language was you know, inscribed so far away from Greece. Okay, Cyprus is below, out to sea, geographically speaking, but, you know, the actual mainland Greece is, is very, very far away. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's, I don't know exactly how many hours drive it is today, but, you know, with a boat and a, a car, you'd probably take, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm just making it up, but let's say 15 hours drive across Turkey, and then you'd then, then still need to take a boat from, uh, the west coast of Turkey to Greece. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a way uh, away from where you'd expect to see Greek inscriptions. Now, the well, inscriptions... I think it's not as old if it's Greek. It's not as old as, like, the Egyptian pyramids. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, yes, what we see on the top surface, that I agree mm. with you totally, Kintia. But in, and as I think as Annette has already you know, pointed out earlier, that a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these monuments 
they are the top veneer, the top level, the top surface based on something which is much older. Even if you look at the Great Pyramid in Giza, you know, a lot of people say that the actual pyramid itself is a much later construction built on the foundation and, and the, the grotto below. And in fact, there are a lot of other pyramids around Egypt which take the form of the foundation without any form of uh, pyramid built above it at all. And yet that shaft and that lower level uh, passageway is, is all beautifully aligned with the, uh, the stars. Um, but the not a lot of people... The other thing that comes to mind is like in Egypt where later civilizations are sculpting into the older one to make it look like it's theirs. They're adding inscriptions that aren't theirs. It's like somebody doing graffiti on a wall or, you know, etching out on a tree. True. So they could have come later and added their Greek characters to an ancient monument. Well, absolutely. Um, That could be the case. But uh, this particular case, the um, what was thought to be Assyrian seemed to be much older. And uh, these statues, by the way, were also thought to be early representations of the early pantheon of Greek gods. So um, that's also interesting why they should be parked up on a mountain all the way across Turkey. So in my opinion, they may well be markers and uh, something which was highlighting a much earlier civilization, which is common to both Greece and that area itself. So, you know, we're going to be close to the break here, and I'd like to just touch on the, uh, the last link that I have in the news section number six, which is Egypt tells Elon Musk its pyramids were not built by aliens. And that seems a really good segue into what Dr. Samas Monagic is going to be presenting later. Why would they be now commenting about that? Why are they like referencing Elon Musk? Well, that, that's a big question. I mean, Elon Musk is uh, certainly uh, the talk of the town these days. Um, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I, believe, I believe Elon Musk uh, put a, um, something out on Twitter saying that they had to be built by aliens. And then the response was actually from Egypt saying that they had not. But, you know, that only leaves two possibilities. They were built by aliens, A, or B, they weren't built by aliens. But maybe they were built by a different civilization that we've lost track of. You know, I'm for who's... that third possibility. I think it was us, but an ancient civilization that's been lost and forgotten. Right. So, I mean, there's like, like everything else, there's oftentimes more than one or two black and white viewpoints. And um, I think that another thing that we see going on here, again, is this polarization of of thinking you're either this way or that way. But what if you're kind of in between or what if you believe some of this and some of that? I mean, I'm. I'm kind of big on that. Um, so this this applies to everything from the pyramids to the COVID situation. I mean, it's or where uh, you know we've got to be very careful. And what Timothy's saying about supporting um, people to to not have them ostracized is is quite important um, because this divide and conquer is is a very very powerful technique. And you must not fall prey to, I see it this way and you see it that way so we can't be friends or whatever. That's, that's craziness. Um, I believe in getting, a, I, I believe in, in listening to the opposing views that you may glean some wonderful wisdom from it. So, I think so it's I absolutely essential to listen to both sides of the line. I mean, otherwise, how can we form where the line lies in the sand? You know, it, it's, it, it's essential to see both sides. I'm not going to shut off one side because I'm going to discriminate, you know, from my imagination or my fear. Mm. It's uh, we're talking about that on the show on the Friday show the other day. Actually, we're just sort of saying, you know, well, if you're listening to somebody who has more socialist views or right wing views, it doesn't mean that you are instantly following those people. It just means that there is some good information in there and one can gain a good perspective. He's you're on the some... other side of midnight and our guest tonight is Dr. Sam
Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. Mm-hmm.